So I read a, a story about um, an old farmer who had never been to the big city, had never seen, a, you know, own, only pictures and so forth, had never seen a skyscraper or whatever, been in one of the big buildings downtown. So he and his wife and son get in his old pickup, and, and they drive to the big city, right? And you can picture what, the, what this looks like. And they get, get to, the, to the big city, and he finds a place to park outside of one of the tall buildings. And so he leaves his wife in the, in the truck, and he says, uh, we'll be right back. And um, as soon as they walk in the doors, there's the hustle and bustle of a, a lobby of a big downtown skyscraper. And they look over and they see these mysterious doors opening and closing, what we would know as elevators, and seen an elevator. And so they saw this elderly woman walk in to, the, to these mysterious doors, and moments later, out walks this beautiful young lady. And he says, quick, go get mama. Okay, I didn't know if the, how that was going to go. Bob Cooley told me that joke. So if it was bad, it was going to be on him. So he gets the credit for that. But in all seriousness, it's a good example. We kind of try to microwave our spiritual maturity. We think we can pop in a mysterious door and now it's going to pop Jesus, right? And we're going to be acting like him. But, but spiritual growth, spiritual maturity is a process, right? To think of spiritual growth, to think of spiritual maturity is to have this definition. It's to learn how to think, act, and speak like Jesus. How would Jesus, what is, what is his thoughts, his actions, how would he speak in situations? So learning how to think, act, and speak from him, that is spiritual growth. That is the, the, the pattern that we're, we're following. And so this series that we're in is called Mirrors, and we're looking at the, the concept from Scripture on how God created humanity in his image, like male and female in his image, it says. And we know that to be created in the image of God is to reflect God-like things, that, that humanity is separate from all of creation in that we can think, we can reason, we can love, we can make choices, we're creative. That all comes from being created in the image of God. The mountains are beautiful, but they don't they don't, they're not in his image, they're his artwork and so forth. So we're looking at how the original image of God was to, to, for him to have a mirror and, and, and look at us and see himself, right? And we know that Adam and Eve fell, right? They sinned, they disobeyed God. And when that happened, shame and death came into the world. And so the, the image of God was then shattered and distorted, but in comes Jesus, the full picture, the full image of what God is like. He said, when you've seen me, you've seen God. You've seen what the Father is like. But he's also the perfect picture of what humanity is supposed to be like, that, that are, and that what we're becoming. You and I, as image, broken image bearers of God, we're not fully human yet. Because when you look at Jesus, his whole life was about sacrifice and, and giving his life away. He did everything he heard the Father tell him to do. That's what it means to be human. And so we're becoming fully human as Jesus is restoring us back to the full image of God. And so what we're doing in this series, it's really a series on the fruits of the Spirit and how each fruit of the Spirit, 
Here's the nine. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Each one of those fruits really is what God is like. God is love. God is joy. He's peace, etc. And so as we, we, we reflect him through letting the Holy Spirit have his way in our life, as we walk in the Spirit, he's going to produce that good fruit in us. So today we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit is peace, reflecting his peace. Peace, by definition, right out of the dictionary, peace is a state of untroubled, undisturbed well-being, calm, harmony, order, and unity. Does that describe your life? Does that describe your relationships, your emotions? doesn't describe mine all the time. I get a window into that sometimes, right? I, we, we all do. But the reality is, man, there's a battle for, for peace. But if we learn how to how God wants us to have peace, we can truly let the Holy Spirit produce that fruit of peace. Peace can be such an elusive thing. Nations have peace talks, right? But they're still at war with one another. Um, And we tend to look for peace in the wrong things. We tend to look for peace in the wrong places. How many times do you hear about somebody who has the good life or they're rich or they're famous only to have those very things that we think are going to bring us peace rob our peace. They rob that peace, that right job, that right relationship. So God wants us to have his peace. In Hebrews 11, 20 and 21, it's a, it's a, a benediction where the writer says, now may the God of peace, God is peace, may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with every good thing for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Now, God is the God of peace. That means he's always in a state of untroubled, undisturbed well-being. He's calm, he's in harmony, he's in unity, in order. That is, that is the God of peace. Well, the God of peace came into this world in the person of Jesus Christ, and to show us exactly what God was like. And Jesus said a promise in John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. We can have the God of peace, his peace ruling and reigning in our life. It's a process of learning how we live in that. Jesus said, not as the world gives peace, world peace, worldly peace, so to speak. Um, I just had that bumper sticker coming to my mind, practice world peace, pray for world peace. <laughs> okay. You're, okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Whew, scared me for a second. Is this thing on? Um, but that worldly peace is based on circumstances. And Jesus is saying, in spite of your circumstances, you can have a state of untroubled, undisturbed well-being. I want that. So what we're going to do is look at three types of peace. Three types of peace are upward, inward, and outward. Upward, inward, and outward. And and in other words, peace with God, peace with ourselves, inner peace, and then peace with others, peace with one another. I would imagine all of us are, are strained in our peace in one of these three areas, 
maybe all three today. There's three approaches to peace. Follow me on this. Two of them are the wrong way to approach peace. Peace taking, peace faking, and peace making. What are the things that take away our peace with God, ourselves, and others? What is something that, that how we fake in each one of those areas peace? And then how do we really find peace? So the first one I want to look at is upward peace. Upward peace. And in upward peace, the, the, the taker of our peace upward with God is sin. And what is sin? Like, sometimes when we think of sin, we just think of, you know, behavior or conduct or whatever. But sin is deeper than that. Sin is, is a failure to love God and honor him and a failure to love people or to love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus said the 613 commands of the Old Testament could be summarized in one command. Love God, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You fulfill what the law and all of that is about when we learn how to what that really means. But so sin is the failure to love God and love others. Jesus was talking to a group of religious people in John 8, and he tells them, he says, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. When I don't love God, meaning I disobey him or I don't practice what I, how I know he wants to, me to live and how I think, act, and speak, I become enslaved to sin. When we don't treat people the way we know we would want to be treated, we become enslaved to sin, Jesus says. Because what happens is that sin blocks my understanding of God. Therefore, I don't have peace with him. And, and when I don't have a right understanding of God, I'm not going to see people the way God wants me to. And God wants us to see him right and be at peace with him so that we can see other people right and be at peace with one another. Now, the faker of peace or fake peace towards God is religion and legalism. Religion and legalism. You might think, well, isn't Christianity a religion? Yes. What I mean is think, becoming religious, thinking if, if I go to church enough or I, I, I read the Bible or I say prayers or whatever, then I'm going to have peace with God. So religion or being religious is going through the motions without my heart being changed, without having my, my heart put into it. That's, there's a lot of people going to church whose heart is far from God, right? We can do the outward trappings of religion without a real relationship or without really being at peace with God. It's duty without delight, knowledge without heart. Now, legalism is where most of us are wired to think that if I, what I do and don't do, especially if I compare myself with someone who's bad, then I'm right with God or I have peace with God. And yet, that's one of the worst treadmills to be on is to think that, that what I do and don't do um, gives me peace with God. It's actually fake peace, both of those, being religious and being legalistic, is fake peace because it's not depending upon God. So I'm not going to have that real peace. Galatians 2.21, the Apostle Paul says, if a living relationship with God could come by rule-keeping, 
then Christ died unnecessarily. In other words, it's, it's impossible for any human being to walk at peace with God and be right with God in our own behavior. We needed a savior. It's impossible. Jesus fulfilled the rules for us. And so we learn now how the fulfillment of the rule is love God, love one another. So what makes peace with God? The maker of peace with God is Jesus. No duh, right? But we forget this. We forget that God, we are at peace with God because of what our Savior did for us in living his perfect life, dying his death, and rising from the grave is how we have peace with God. There used to be a bumper sticker that said, no Jesus, no peace, no Jesus, no peace. N-O, no Jesus, no peace. K-N-O-W, no Jesus, no real peace. That is how we have real peace. Jesus, in that same statement to the religious leaders, said, so if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're a child of God. And so we're, we're free because of what the Son did. And in Romans 5.1, Paul says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Years ago, this verse has such a memory attached to it to me. Years ago, a buddy of mine's dad was on his deathbed with cancer, and he asked me to go talk to him. And as we were talking, I just felt this leading to read that, this verse. And I read it, and he stopped me. He said, Scott, I've always believed that there was a God. How could I deny a creator? He said, I didn't know what to do with this Jesus fellow. <laughs> and he said, according to what you just read to me, that's how I come to God. That's how I can have peace with God. I said, you got it, my friend. And I said, do you want to pray with that? And he said, I do. He died four days later. And I did his funeral, and I shared how he had put his faith and trust in Jesus. It was pretty awesome. All right, the fruit of the Spirit is peace. So it's upward peace with God, and then inward peace. Inward peace. There's a, the taker of inward peace is our circumstances, right? Stressful circumstances, trials, relational chaos, strife in the home, strife with spouses, strife with friends, strife with, all over the place. Circumstances take our inward peace. I love the book of Psalms so much because Psalms is the most, it's, it's humanity. It's humans writing about God and, and singing about God and our relationship, but it's also very, the Psalms are very vulnerable, right? I mean, they're very vulnerable to the human condition. And I, I, love, I love David and how real David is in the Psalms. And in Psalm 42, verse 3, he says, My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? David found himself in difficult circumstances often. And he would, in the Psalms, say, God, where are you? God, what's going on? God, why is this happening? We've all said that, right? Who hasn't said, God, what's up? Why do my circumstances stink? Why did that person hurt me the way they did? Why was I betrayed? You know what the devil does a lot? He slanders God to us daily and gives us this, you know, well, where was God when this happened? Why did God let this happen? And, and 
The devil and people blame God for things he didn't cause. God's right there as we were singing about in the middle of this chaos. My peace, Jesus said, you can have inwardly. So what is the the faker of, of difficult circumstances trying to find peace in the middle of difficult circumstances? The faker of peace is self-reliance. Self-reliance, you can write that down. When we are, find ourselves in difficult circumstances, we tend to, to, be, to solve our own problems or we withdraw, right? When we go through something difficult, and, and, it, and it's, it's kind of funny to me, I, I get it, but I don't get it, that when people go through difficult circumstances, they stop coming to church. They stop hanging out with their home group. When that's the very thing you need to get you through your circumstances. It's one another carrying one another's burdens. That's how Jesus meets needs is through one another. So when you go through difficulties, even if it's something you're guilty over, don't stop coming and being together with your brothers and sisters in Christ. We all got stuff going on in our life. We all have areas that we know we're imperfect. And yet, we, we tend to avoid and, and be self-reliant instead of having that discipline of our mind and our heart. So the maker of inward peace is faith. It's faith. Going into this new year, we had a service where we talked about how going into the new year, that, that discipline was the pathway to peace in our minds and, and with our time and so forth. And it is. When we're disciplined in our, in our life, and we're disciplined to read the scriptures, we're dif- disciplined to, to meet with one another, disciplined to pray, that's when we truly will grow our faith. It says in Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Keep in perfect peace. Like, I want that. So we need to discipline our minds and our hearts with the gospel every day. There's so many things stressing you and I out and and lies that are being spoken to us about who we are and false messages, and we get caught up into it, man. What we need is the gospel, and the more we read, the more faith we have. The more we understand, the more faith we have to daily focus upon him. The book of Romans says that, that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. A couple weeks ago, there was a big windstorm in our neighborhood. I don't know if you guys had that too, but it was trash day for us. So the recycle bin was out and the trash can was there. And uh, Janelle and I, it's our day off, so we weren't at home. And Chandler, our daughter, who, who still lives with us, she called and said, I can't find the trash cans. And trash cans were blown all across. There's trash all over our neighborhood. And she had to go out like on a search and rescue mission for, for these trash cans. And sweet little thing, she found them. And we marked them so that we would know if that ever happened again, they were ours. And it got me to thinking that when the storms of life happen, it has a, a way of surfacing the garbage that's in us, just the way those cans were knocked over. The trash was hidden in the, in the, in the trash can. But when the wind blew, it it exposed what was inside. I think that happens to you and I when the storms of life come. It exposes where our faith is at and what our faith is really in. In Mark chapter 4, 35 through 41, there's a story about Jesus and the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. Have I told you I've been on the Sea of Galilee recently in Israel? 
Well, let me, let me read about it for you. It says, later that day, he said to them, let's go across to the other side. They took him in the, in a, the boat as he was. Other boats came along. A huge storm came up. The book of Matthew says, without warning, this storm came. There was just didn't see it coming. A huge storm came up. Waves poured into the boat, threatening to sink it. And Jesus was in the stern, head on a pillow, sleeping. They roused him saying, teacher, is it nothing to you that we're going to drown? Awake now, he told the wind to pipe down and he said to the sea, quiet, settle down. He spoke peace to that storm. The wind ran out of breath. The sea became smooth as glass. Jesus reprimanded the disciples. Why are you such cowards? Don't you have any faith at all? They were in absolute awe, staggered. Who is this anyway, they asked, wind and sea at his beck and call. I want to know that kind of peace. I want to know the kind of peace that the man had in the middle of a storm. He's sawing logs. It's like when you're on an airplane and it gets turbulence happened, I freak out, even when they warn you. Don't you hate that when they say, um, the flight attendants are going to have to come a little early to through because we're going to come into Denver because every time you fly into Denver, there's turbulence. I couldn't sleep through that. And yet Jesus could because he knew who he was and he knew who held his life in his hands. Pretty amazing. In Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. It literally means let his peace, that word could be replaced with the word umpire. Do you know they're going to try in spring training robot umpires for balls and strikes? Not sure how I feel about that, but they'll get it right because there's that human side. We need to get it right in the sense that they let Christ's peace rule and reign and umpire life, so to speak. Okay, the fruit of the Spirit is peace. Let's finish with outward peace. Upward peace, inward peace, and outward peace. What takes away our peace with others is conflict and offenses. I think when we get upward peace right, We get inward peace, and then it's going to lead to how we treat one another and walk as peaceful people. When we get into conflicts or somebody offends us or somebody hurts us, we go through these offenses, it robs us of peace with that person. Proverbs 19.11, a person's wisdom yields patience. It's to one's glory to overlook an offense. Anybody else have problems overlooking offense like me? I'm a fighter. Like, I know I don't looking for it, but I easily, you know, can get my feathers ruffled in situations. I want to be a peaceful person. I want to walk at peace. And you look at the life of Jesus. Man, offenses were thrown at him left and right. The religious leaders, um, you know, the, the Romans, he was, he was called all kinds of things and misunderstood. And yet he didn't retaliate, take revenge, speak back, name, get into a name calling or any of that kind of stuff. He walked at peace because he knew how to overlook offenses. Romans 12.8 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. He didn't say you have to worry about 
somebody else. You worry about you. As long as it, far as it depends on you, be at peace. Do everything you can by the power of the Holy Spirit to be a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers. But instead of making peace, the things that take peace from us, we try to fake peace with others through avoidance. Through avoidance. There's a, a lack of honest confrontation that's missing in so many people's lives. Lacking the ability to, to confront an offense or a conflict in a Christ-like way. Or there's a lack on a lot of us too, a failure to apologize. A failure to take responsibility and say, I blew that, I'm so sorry, will you forgive me? Quick apologies. We're proud, right? We don't want to appear weak or whatever. So both of those, a lack of confronting when somebody has hurt you or somebody's bothered you or a lack of apologizing is avoiding it and you're faking peace. Isn't that the worst feeling in the world when you're in conflict? Maybe you're with family or, or you and your spouse and you're in conflict and you're trying to fake your way through that peace and you're just avoiding like it didn't happen. <laughs> I hate that. Like that's not a good feeling. So Paul says in Ephesians 4.15, he says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Speak the truth in love. To speak the truth in love, when you've been hurt by somebody or offended or, or bothered, you give that person the benefit of the doubt because they may not even know that they, they hurt you or offended you. And you... Go to them and you speak the truth in love and you say, listen, maybe you didn't mean to offend me. I, I want to believe that you didn't mean what you said, whatever's there. And then give them an opportunity to respond. I bet you nine out of ten times somebody will say, I, I didn't realize that offended you. I'm so sorry. And then you cannot have this avoidance or fake peace. You can have real peace. And also, Apologize. Go and take responsibility for whatever you may have done in a conflict where the peace has been robbed. So what is the maker of outward peace? It's pretty simple. It's love. Love covers a multitude of sins. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. In Colossians 3, 13 through 15, says this. Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. I think as we, to reflect the fullness of, of his peace is to have, first of all, peace with God. If anyone in this room has never made peace with God through Jesus, then you do that by accepting his gift, his gift of new life in Jesus, that he came and he died for your sins, and he rose again to give us life now and eternal life forever. And you make peace with him through Jesus and then to grow in inward peace by having faith in the promises of God. 
by having faith in what Jesus has done and growing in that to have that inward peace, which then allows me to have peace with others. When you realize how much you've been forgiven, when, you, when that clicks for you, you won't hold unforgiveness towards other people. You'll find a way to forgive, to make allowance for one another's faults. I think that verse is telling us that, that we're to set the bar low for thinking we're never going to be offended by people. That's not realistic. But set the bar so high that when I'm offended or in conflict that I'm quick to apologize. I'm quick to, to forgive somebody. I'm quick to, to give somebody the benefit of the doubt. That's a life of peace. So I don't know what everybody's going through, but I know there are people in this room that struggle with peace. God wants us to be peacemakers. And the fruit of the Spirit is peace. I want to pray. Will you stand with me and let's pray. As I said earlier, spiritual maturity doesn't just happen. It's something that we pursue hand in hand with God and allow the Spirit to work in us. And I, I just have this sense in my heart that there's some of us in this room that you're at conflict with others and God wants to say to you today, listen, make peace. Be a peacemaker as far as it depends upon you. Don't allow your heart to want to take revenge or, or, or act out on revenge or, or keep lording something over somebody. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. You be at peace. You're not responsible for that other person's position or whatever they're doing. You're responsible for you. So Lord, as we think about you, the God of peace, may you fill us today with your peace. Fill us, Holy Spirit, and produce peace in us. As we meditate on the cross and, and we meditate on Jesus, we have peace upwardly. Lord, and as we, as we grow in your, your promises, Lord, give us discipline to, to read and, and to do the things that, that create a greater faith in each one of us. Lord, and those that are struggling in this room in conflict, Lord, give them humility. power to do what we could never do on our own, Lord. Help us to be people who overlook the faults of others, the shortcomings of others, because Lord, you do that to us every day. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.